Hey, what up, Long Beach? Happy New Year, and welcome back to another year and another weekly episode of our podcast, the only one bringing you all of the local news. As always, we are the 562.org. I'm JJ Fiddler. I'm Mike Garabasio, and this podcast is part of our partnership with the Long Beach Post. We do weekly stories and videos and podcasts for the Post every week, uh, hoping that will include more sports coverage soon. But right now you can go to lbpost.com and read my story about how I've been inspired by the Long Beach State women's basketball team uh, and the strength they've shown in overcoming adversity this year, as well as all of our education coverage. Uh, This week we're talking about the budget situation facing the LBUSD, uh, as well as a ton of other developments, obviously, as schools remain a hot topic in Southern California and California as a whole. And I'm Tyler Hendrickson. On this week's show of What Up Long Beach, uh, we're going to be talking to the Cabrillo boys soccer coach, Pat Noyes. Uh, but first, we, we got we to timestamp things and let you know where we are as things are happening. It is about 2.30 on Wednesday, January 6th, an eventful day in America, but we're here safely at home <laughs> bringing you um, an update on what's going on in the Long Beach sports world. And really the big story that, that we've been talking about a lot and is really starting to swirl in, in local sports is club football. And, uh, you know, that's a that's a big issue. And we Mike, you just put up a story uh, yesterday talking about, you know, club football and getting perspective of players and parents and coaches. And, you know, it's it's really a a hot topic issue right now and something that we have a lot of uh, a lot of thoughts about. Uh, Yeah, that timestamp that Tyler said, very important, because uh, obviously, you know, all of the club football stuff is is violating some kind of a health ordinance or another. And so uh, as of Wednesday at two thirty. Um, The story that we put up does not require an update, but uh, we were talking to coaches and players and parents involved with the two main uh, club football leagues that have been started. One of them in Arizona, but mostly filled with Southern California's teams and players uh, and one in Chino run by winter circle uh, that is uh, from all over, including Bay area, um, but mostly uh, SoCal teams. And to give you a sense of the scope of kids that have, uh, you know, decided to participate in these, I think it was 33 teams have joined up with the Winter Circle League, all of which have got, you know, 30 to 50 kids on them. Um, the Arizona League, similarly, I want to say it was 16 teams with about the same numbers on those teams. Um, so big numbers. I mean, a, a big chunk of Southern California's high school football world uh, is already involved in this. And um, I don't really like necessarily reporting on social media speculation, et cetera, but uh, it's worth noting that Winter Circle posted a screenshot of uh, an email that went out to Mission Viejo football parents that said, um, our high school is going to get a club team together, like some of the other high schools have done to, to play in these clubs. Email us right away if you're interested, because we're trying to get in for this weekend. So I think we're going to see things moving in that direction until you know, someone makes a decision to step in and and try and shut something down or whatever else. We will get into the uh, morality and risk of this entire situation as it pertains to COVID-19 and whether or not kids should be in school right now and why they have to search for a thing like club football to stay active. But I first want to start with some simple questions. What are we talking about here? Are they playing in stadiums or are they just going into the middle of Chino and, you know, build it and they will come? It's a mix of both of those things in Arizona where the Elite 10 is being held. They're using a stadium in Bullhead, Arizona that seats 2,300 people. They're allowing uh, no more than 500 fans there. But that is a regular stadium that's used for other games um, that they're disinfecting in between. Uh, And I don't believe the kids are using the lockers or anything, um, but that is a stadium that was there. The facility that Winter Circle is using is something they've constructed that's in Chino 
um, on some land that was not being used uh, that was built for this. It's uh, fenced and tarped off, um, you know, not to romanticize it or whatever, but definitely a little bit of a speakeasy feel. Um, you know, it's not clearly marked. Uh, they're not really putting the address out there. There isn't really an address to put out there, to be honest with you. It's kind of like directions that you have to follow. Um, so that, that's what the structure of what they're playing on looks like. It's a mix of stadium. And if you build it, they will come. The reason that they're set up like that, not having access to a field in California, which is what prompted the other league in, uh, in Arizona so that they could have a facility and, and not technically, I guess, violate that state's health order as far as congregating and playing the game. So it's, we're, we're dealing with, <laughs> with a lot of things in play here. So these families are deciding that they want to send their kid to play the club sport. Do they pay? What are they paying? And where's the equipment coming from? I mean, with volleyball and soccer, with those clubs, it's very easy to buy some shin pads and cleats and knee pads. But for football, that's a that's a healthy little chunk of change. Um, yeah, football obviously is a fairly complicated thing to pull together. That's one of the reasons that it's the last sport, really, that doesn't have a club scene in California up until uh I don't know, two weeks ago. <laughs> um, the uh, All I can speak for is sort of the local kids that we interviewed. Uh, we have kids from a number of Long Beach high schools that are, that are playing club football. And so for the team um, that Romeo Pelham is taking to Arizona, um, you know, minimal fees. Um, for the team that Renee Medina has been taking to Chino, no fees. The coaches actually pooled their money to pay everything. There was an entrance fee to get into the league. Um, that I, I think went to pay for the cost of setting up the field and everything else. But the coaches covered that um, and the equipment was rented. There was, a, there was actually a company in Northern California that was renting certified equipment um, because you're not allowed to use any of the high school equipment. So if you are a Millican player, you're not allowed to use any Millican equipment because the schools can't have any involvement with it. Um, and so, you know, all the schools were renting stuff. So that way you're not asking a kid to buy, you know, a $700 helmet or something for, you know, five or six club games. Not only that, but then you've got a situation where one helmet might be safer than another helmet and another helmet might be cheaper than another helmet. You don't want to get into a spot like that where the, uh, more affluent families are safer than the less affluent families. You wouldn't want, you wouldn't want that. You wouldn't want that in the COVID-19 world, you know? <laughs> <laughs> but but I gotta say, but I, I, I but I gotta say it did not look like any of the helmets were pulled off the shelves at Legends or anything like that. You know what I mean? Like they were they were modern helmets that are yeah. used. These were not yes. replicas okay. that were being re. They weren't the the plastic Dallas Cowboys helmets that we used to wear <laughs> and play play you know play football in the backyard. <laughs> Thank God. What about trainers? I know that the Southern Section and all of the uh, CIF. Uh, sections have been dealing with how they're going to get trainers who are certified on campus and maintain that and all that stuff. Tyler, you wrote a great article about that. What about the trainers for these club teams? You know, when, when Mike and I went out and, uh, and covered the event in Chino, we were, we were happy to see that there were athletic trainers on both sides uh, of the field, both sidelines, as well as the doctor on site. So um, at least on that front, it, it, it checked the boxes of what of actually more than what you would see at a regular high school football game. What about the referees? Where are they getting these refs from? And are they on a volunteer basis? I mean, like you got to do a chain gang too, right? The refs are being paid um, and they were basically, as, as far as I know, and one of the refs that I talked to, you know, they're sanctioned officials. Uh, the guy I talked to is in the OC uh, association. Um, so the same refs, by and large, I believe that you would see at high school football games just from different associations. Um, there were obviously... That we went to the event in Chino and it was the first full day they were operating. So they were definitely working out some of the kinks. 
Um, and I, I believe they were like notifying the teams at the game. It was like, Hey, we need you to have a chain gang volunteer. <laughs> um, and so, you know, they had to put some coaches or parents on that because uh, yeah, they did not have staff doing that. That was supplied by the teams. So is there a schedule laid out for this? Do these kids know when they're going to play or is it kind of just catch as catch camp? So the winter circle event is a, is running through the end of January. And then I believe the following week would be some kind of a championship weekend based on how the standings go, but there is fully scheduled scheduled out through that time I'm sure that's going to have to be redone because as I said I've seen posts on social media suggesting that new teams are entering so I would imagine that that will require some reshuffling I imagine they're not just going to put the new you know new team a versus new team b um, and I, I've heard that the the winter circle operation is constructing an additional field um, to help with the extra demand I don't, none of that's verified I haven't done any reporting on that um, but that's sort of what the word is out there um, but the Arizona one, similarly, um, you know, uh, Pelham gave me a schedule for their team. So you can see when they're going to play. One of the things I did not like, if I could just interject uh, opinion for a brief moment, was the Arizona League for the first weekend, everyone played two games within about 36 hours um, to set up a seating. And so the games were shorter. Um, and I would definitely say it's like less it, it's it's not seven on seven, but it's, it's not fully, you know, no one's running the eye, <laughs> the power eye offense. Right. So it's definitely less physical than what I would call a regular high school football game, but um, football quite obviously is a sport that you don't want someone playing two days in a row um, with a full, you know, tackle helmet, everything else. So I, that, that's the sort of number one thing for me that I saw that I was like, ah, I'm not, yeah, <laughs> I'm not a big not, fan of that. That was not the best uh, way to structure that. But, um, but also another thing worth pointing out on the schedule is that they are set to end so that if, the, you know, the, the state of California does permit, you know, high school football, you know, CIF football the way we normally see, it would not interfere with that schedule. So any of these club athletes and the CIF already waived that rule um, prohibiting athletes from playing in both club and for their high school. So that would still be on the table if, you know, that this club stuff could run its course and then all those athletes could still go play for their high school in a world where that ends up happening. So we mentioned the morality and risk and Mike just mentioned the opinion. So we might as well get into that portion because really it's a choice that the family has to make about their student athlete, whether or not they want to put them into this club football situation, but each family and each student athlete really coming at it from a different spot, right? If you start at the top, the elite, some of these kids are literally trying to play for money. They're trying to play for scholarships. They're trying to play for the opportunity to maintain their athletic, uh, you know, situation and then take it to the next level. So it's very hard to tell kids like that. Oh, Hey, you're from California. Therefore all the recruits or all the scouts looking for recruits are going to go to the other States where they're actually playing football and you don't get to play football. So I totally understand how some of these kids are playing for, you know, not an actual paycheck, but kind of a paycheck right now. Yeah, I, you know, one thing I would just throw out there, sort of the thought process for me, um, I, I did get a couple of emails from people who felt like because we'd written this, we were sort of endorsing it. Um, you know, that's not the case. I, I mean, I, our job is to report the news. I don't think when the Long Beach Post is, is covering a, a restaurant that's chosen to stay open, I don't think they're endorsing that restaurant's action, right? I, I think we have a, a news providing service um, and so it's, for me, it was important to go and actually see what was happening um, so that we can answer the questions, because I saw a lot of people sort of giving opinions that, uh, that once you went out there, you saw some of the things they're saying were flat out not true, but certainly were not based on what they were seeing or reporting firsthand. 
um, which is something we always strive to do at the 562, obviously. So, um, uh, yeah, what you said is exactly right. I mean, these kids feel like they're, you know, they go on social media, they see people calling them selfish or saying they don't believe the virus is real. They're not taking it seriously. We talked to coaches and players and parents. One of the coaches said, I've lost family members to COVID-19. We believe the virus is real. It's our, our son is not going to school. It's changed every aspect of his life. Um, but he's a football player and his goal is to be a college football player. And um, if you're angry that club football exists, I would say be angry, number one, that the state has not provided a safe set of guidelines that they feel are safe enough to allow sanctioned high school football to exist um, yet. And number two, be mad at the colleges that are telling the high school coaches and the kids, we want updated film. Um, because that's what all these guys are hearing from the NCAA coaches. Uh, in the case of Nico uh, Yamaleava, who is a, a Long Beach kid who's now at Warren, um, Nico had never played varsity football. He was kind of a standout on Polly's freshman team last year, but he goes to Arizona and, you know, I mean, if you miss high school football, go look at uh, Nico carving up this team in Arizona. I mean, just looking like an absolute stud quarterback. And within a week, he's got scholarship offers from UCLA, um, Arizona state, Utah, Michigan state, Florida state. And, uh, his dad told me, those offers were from his film in Arizona. So that was his thing. He's like, I see a lot of people saying the college coaches aren't watching this. I'm telling you as a coach and the parent of a kid, the colleges are telling us we want updated film on the kid. So you have two options, move to another state or participate in one of these clubs. Or I get the alternative, which I've seen people clamoring for is that they, they shouldn't be participating at all. And certainly some kids, you know, plenty of kids have made that, that decision not to play and them and their families, you know, and it, it's not a, it's certainly not a requirement. And yeah, us, you know, covering the event is not, <laughs> did not allow the event to happen. It was going to happen regardless of whether, you know, we, we went out there to kind of report on it and, and get feedback from, from coaches, players, and, you know, um, and parents alike. Um, but, you know, we, we had kids tell us, I mean, football is their way out of their situation. And it's, you know, as un unfortunately, Mike, I mean, you, you've done a lot of reporting during this pandemic of the really the terrible situation that a lot of the young athletes in our community have to face on an everyday basis. And um, there is no escape from it. There is no safe haven at school. Um, and there is no path for them. If, if they don't see that they can earn a scholarship in football and get an opportunity to, to go earn an education and, and, and change their, their situation for themselves and their families, then, you know, they're going to get desperate. And it's uh, whether you're a senior that, that doesn't have offers that, that, that needs film in order to get that opportunity to go to college or, or a junior trying to, to put yourself in a position to be on that radar. I mean, I, I can see why kids don't have a lot of confidence in the system. You know, they don't have lobbyists. They don't have lawyers that are, that are, you know, pounding down people's doors and demanding that, that they get some representation. So, you know, that they don't really have a ton of hope that, that there's going to be a season and they're going to have an opportunity. So they're kind of taking, their future into their own hands. And this is the opportunity that's been presented to them. What have the kids seen that would uh, allow someone to look one of them in the eyes and say, you should have faith that the system is going to take care of you. You know, uh, I mean, that's, that's my question. And we we've written four obituaries about teenagers, uh, teenage athletes who've been shot to death in Long Beach and Compton uh, since this pandemic has begun. Um, and if you're a teenager and you live in one of the neighborhoods where those kids have been killed, and one of the uh, people that Pelham took to 
um, took to Arizona was across the street from the, the kid who was shot to death in Long Beach when it happened. So you're going to tell him that uh, he should, the virus is the only thing he should be worried about. You know, I, th that's what bothered me about the condescension that you saw from a lot of the social commentary about these events. I don't think it's good that these clubs exist. I would rather that there be a different, more officially sanctioned way for, for the kids to be able to play, but there isn't one. And that's also not their fault, by the way. It's mm -hmm. the fault of a state government that said, um, well, we, we'll find a way for the pros and USC and UCLA and Long Beach State to make it happen. And, uh, and we'll make sure, by the way, UCLA and Long Beach State, this is public money, just like high schools. We'll make sure they have enough money to test as much as they need to, to make sure it's as safe as it can be. But for high school kids, good luck. You know, I, I mean, so I, I look at these kids have kind of been backed into a corner um, that's certainly the, the mood that was described to us. And, um, but above and beyond that, you know, there's a lot of mixed feelings on both sides, which I understand about, you know, the, the value of scholarships and whether kids should be playing for scholarships or whatever. But one thing we heard from a, a, a kid, Jalen Johnson, who we saw in Chino, who had a great day was he was just excited. His dad got to see him play football. You know, I mean, like this is a kid who says, I haven't been able to hang out. I don't get to hang out with my friends other than football for nine months, 10 months now, which if you remember your life as a high school, a sophomore, junior, or senior, your high school, a senior year may as well have been your whole life. <laughs> and you've mm -hmm. taken that, you know, the virus has taken that away from these kids for so long that of course they're seeking an outlet where they can do that. And frankly, by the way, um, it's not their fault that the surge has happened. It's something that the coaches mentioned as well. Everyone is doing this. They're just doing it in their friend's living room, getting together to watch a Lakers game or having a New Year's Eve party that's in the garage with seven friends or something. Everyone is doing this. That's why we're in the situation we are. And because of the fact that the kids have to do it in public means that they're catching all of this hell. But what are you going to do? You're going to say to these kids, your chance at life and friendship and socialization uh, because you don't have a, a MacBook with fiber optic internet to do zoom parties with your friends, your chance at a regular life depends on hoping that all the adults in the state get their shit together and stop spreading the virus. Not, not only just in the state, but in the entire country. I mean, how frustrating would it be to be a football player watching other States play high school football and they can't prove that that spike or, or any spike is, is, is coming from that or is caused by that or is happening before, during, or after it. And then Southern California doesn't have it. And Southern California probably in the worst spot right now than we've been right. since last March. And so people are now saying, oh, well, it's so bad. We can't have football. And you go, yeah. well, hold on. When are you going to let the kids have, and it's not just football. When are you going to let the kids be able to go to school? When are you, right? you going to let the kids resume any of the things that make up their normal life? It's causality. And if you don't know what causality means or you can't figure out the flow of causality, then you can't make any decision based on that fact. You just can't do it. So as a football player, I, I just being a football player when I was in high school, I can imagine how frustrating that is and how much the trickle down effect of, oh, my friends who are trying to get scholarships are going to play football right now. You tell me my friends are playing football. I want to go. I want to go right now. I want to go play football. I don't care if this is the last season I ever get to play football. I just want to take advantage of this opportunity. I can't personally, I can't get mad at anybody who decides that they, their family or their whatever wants to play club football to them. If that risk is worth it, then that's your risk. And that is a decision that adults have to make 
every single day. You, you said the word causality, JJ, and I, I'm sorry if I'm ranting on this, but I, there's just one other thing I have to say. I, I went on a 10-minute rant on this podcast like eight years ago or whenever the Eagles leaked to a reporter that Deshaun Jackson was friends with gang members, and so they were. that was part of why he got run out of Philadelphia. Um, I grew up in Long Beach. I grew up with friends who live in the inner city. Uh, my family had the economic status of the inner city, but I did not grow up in the inner city. And what I would say is this, I also had friends who were in gangs and it's, it completely changed everything about the way I see the world because the way this country and everything in the world is structured is you create an inequitable system, you create an inequitable system based on that system and another inequitable system based on that system. And then you get mad at the kids trying to live in that system for the choices you forced them to make. And I will say this, and I had this conversation with my grandfather a number of times, which I'll get into. If I were my friends who were in gangs, I would also have been in a gang. There's nothing special about me. There's nothing special about any of us that we don't need protection and we don't need to feel like we're safe and that, the, and that we have a chance to be something in life. Um, and you're going to seize on whatever you have. My parents had me seize on college. They had me seize on an educational way to college. My mom was, uh, has a master's degree and was educated. So even though she was a single parent and we couldn't afford college, she knew how to get every dollar for me from FAFSA that she could get. Not all these kids have that opportunity. And I'll tell you this exact thing. The way I know for a fact that I would, not, I would have made the same decision as those kids is that my family in Newark, New Jersey, who lived in a project, joined organized crime. It's, it's the exact same thing. My grandpa fought in World War II and was given, guess what? A free scholarship. Went to Rutgers, got an accounting degree and had the ability to move to the suburbs in Southern California to get away from it. And there are families we've covered who've used sports. I'll point at George Daly Lyles, who has family members who've been through this decision, did not get a, a college scholarship and have ended up in a worse situation than him. He went to Hawaii, he got a degree, he came back and got a white collar job with health, with health insurance and a pension. It, 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 you might not look at these kids and understand that they're seeing that formulation. That's what, that is what is happening here. Then if you wanna be mad at the causation, as JJ said, do not look at the kids. If you wanna be mad at the people making money off of them, fair enough. I know for a fact that while the coaches we talked to, the kids we interviewed, that's not what's happening with the local kids. I know for a fact that people are making money off this. And I understand people being bothered by that. But we make money off covering high school football too. The three of us do. The people in the CIF, the officials, the entire structure does. So to me, a profit incentive or, or an incentive of, I want to help kids, but I want to make a living. That's everyone we deal with in the club and the high school sports world. So, you know, I, you look at a lot of bad actors, frankly, in the high school world, and there's some bad actors in the club world, and there's good actors in the club world and good actors in the high school world. If you want to argue about what the ratio is there, go have that argument somewhere else because I don't give a shit. <laughs> you know, the, the, but the point is the kids are taking, in my opinion, what they see is the best available option. They're describing that discomfort to us. None of them are out there because they think that the virus is a hoax. Those people exist, by the way, and they are where you should be placing your anger. <laughs> well, and, and George Daly Lyles is a great example. I mean, you what if you took away that his, his senior season? in which he won Gatorade state player of the year and, and earned his scholarship to Hawaii because he did not, he was not a highly touted player who was definitely going to get an offer. He needed that senior year. He balled out and it changed his life. And, and for these kids, not everybody has to be a scholarship athlete. If this is their thing, if this is the thing that they love is playing high school football or playing with football with their friends, they're never going to get this opportunity again, the rest of their lives. 
And so if, if club football is the opportunity that they have to do something that makes them happy of, you know, 10 months now of, of real misery with no end, end in sight for them. And meanwhile, the people making the decision on whether they can play high school football are missing their own self-imposed deadlines on whether that's going to happen or not. What confidence do they have that this is that there's any other alternative than what they're faced with? That doesn't mean that it's the right thing to do, that it's the best thing for public safety. But at the end of the day, you're putting kids in an impossible situation. And it's it's easy to see why they're deciding to do this based on their circumstances. And not everybody is taking their circumstances into consideration. If you're just stumbling upon this podcast because you're a football fan and you wanted to talk about club football, we don't just come on this podcast and complain. We also have solutions. So get to the 562.org right now. We've got stories up there about ideas of how to do this thing safely, how to bring sports back, how to take care of the kids. We're doing columns. We're doing breaking news. We're doing other videos as well. So we do also have that angle where we want to not tell these stories. We want to tell the good stories about the kids being able to play sports and learning those lessons that you sports are supposed to teach you as you develop into an adult. I, I just want to say one more thing. And first of all, JJ, your column about that is exactly right. Like max flexibility, max creativity, you know, let's do everything we can. And I'm just going to say that like, that is what we are here. We're here to cover people doing the hard stuff. We're not here to judge people. We're not here to say this kid's doing it right. This kid's doing it wrong. There are kids on these high school teams who decided not to play club football. That's what I'll say right now, as a parent, that's the decision we would have made with our child as well. So I'm not in any case judging anyone. I know I actually talked to one of the athletes who made that decision to ask them, did your coach pressure you to do this? You can tell me off the record. I'm not going to put your name in the article. I want to know if they're lying to me saying that they didn't pressure kids to do this. Um, but as we're moving forward, it's become very obvious that the easy thing to do for these kids that they used to have of going to school and playing sports is not available to them. And we're not going to punish kids. We're not going to withhold coverage. We're not going to moralize and say it's this way or the highway. We are here to tell the stories of our community and the way they're trying to figure out this unprecedented time. And I would say that while I did get a couple emails from people who were frustrated that we were shining a light on club football, whatever else, um, I received a number of emails from people who had read uh, social media comments by other sports writers and been really hurt by them, who reached out to me to say, thank you so much. It means a lot to me to know that there's a white sports writer out there who's listening to, who's just listening to what we're going through and cares enough to write the story accurately. And that means more to me than any amount of negative feedback or people being upset um, that we could ever get. We're almost a week into the new year and I'm sure um, many of you have uh, made the, the new year's resolution to get in shape, make 2020 your year to get in shape and be fit. But if you're ready to give up after only a week, go down and get a hog pack at Naples Rib Company. Uh, there's no better way to cheat than getting a bunch of barbecue and mashed potatoes and mac and cheese Throw in a salad if you're lying to yourself and saying that you're trying to be healthy this year. Naples Ribco, best barbecue in Long Beach. And best of all, they support Long Beach sports coverage and have for a long time. And we are so appreciative to Naples Ribco. So get on down to Naples Rib. Either go to ribcompany.com or give them a call to get your to-go order in today and support local businesses like Naples Ribco. All right, we're going to now bring on our special guest for the week. He's coached all over the season, one of our favorite guys, the 22nd year head coach of boys soccer at Cabrillo High School's Pat Noyes. Coach, how are you? I'm great, thank you. How are you all? We're doing okay. Thanks for taking the time to join us. How are the holidays? Uh, uneventful, no snowboarding, just hung out, 
and sort of it's the first it's the first Christmas break that I haven't had soccer on my mind as far as coaching or preparing since 1989. So 30 plus years of soccer every Christmas break and uh, this one I didn't have it. So it was a new experience. Well, before, before we get into anything else, Pat, you know, we've all known each other a long time. Um, how, how does that make you feel just on an emotional, personal level? I mean, I, think I had a hard time. Yeah, I, I had a hard time you know, you come free of that. And it's like, you sort of feel with JJ and I felt the same way. You kind of feel like you're floating in space a little bit. Yeah. I, I honestly thought over the Christmas break, I'd do stuff. I thought, Oh, maybe I'll hear my grandkids and go snowboarding or go to the beach. And basically I sat around moping and I just decided coming back yesterday or Monday, I just said, you know, forget that. I'm just going to, I'm going to be happy. I'm going to just, you know, I'm going to move on. And it's been a rough time and we'll, we'll get through it. I don't know when, I don't know how long it's going to take, but we'll all get through it eventually. So. <laughs> right. That's all, that's all we have uh, yeah. right now is just, is just trying to be optimistic. Um, what, what kind of contact have you had with your players? I mean, what is the, what has the interaction been with the team? Have you guys been able to work out at all? Are you giving them stuff? I mean, how have you yeah, communicated I mean, with your players and stuff? Well, personally, we, we, before, before Thanksgiving, we were getting about, uh, my classes are split up. So I have youngers three days a week and I have olders three days a week, everybody on Monday and then Tuesday, Thursday for one group and Wednesday, Friday for the other. So I've seen them. We starting in the beginning of the school year, we, we were out here training. We were getting 20 to 35 kids a day coming before Thanksgiving. And then we had some sort of, let's call it an outbreak here on campus. A couple of people tested positive. So the school district shut us down for Thanksgiving. And then they just said, we're not coming back until after the break. So Monday, I didn't have kids because Monday's the all classes. I didn't see them yesterday. We had 16 come back. Today, we only had six. I mean, it's, you know, and understandably, parents are worried. And I got a bunch of emails from parents saying, hey, if so-and-so can't come back yet, are you going to punish them? No, of course, I'm not going to punish them. It's fine. It's nothing is mandatory. But I think for the mental health of the kids and honestly for myself, I mean, I'll pay the gas to drive here so I don't have to pay a psychiatrist later, right? I don't have any problem. I don't want to work from home. I'm coming to work every day regardless. Uh, so I'm here for them. I'm here for them if they want to come out and we train a little bit. It's all two-on-one stuff, but I just, I think I need to be here for them. Yeah, how were they? Before Thanksgiving, they really believed that, they, they believed and hoped that, that we were going to have a season and things were going to go well. Uh, we were training pretty hard. You know, obviously individual skills were the main focus. I think we have a lot of older, talented seniors and a lot of young, our young group is really good. Now, me and Rebus have seen because Revis was coming every day too. Revis. Um, that's David. Uh, that's David Revis, your uh, fantastic correct. assistant coach, award-winning yeah. assistant coach, even. Correct. Along <laughs> with you guys. Um, so we have a lot of talent, young, and we have a lot of talent, the seniors. So they all believed that we were going to be able to play. I'm not sure they do now. I honestly, I don't know. You know, six, seven weeks off, and all the 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 stuff we hear on the news every day, and how bad it is, and it, you know, I don't know that. They keep asking me, do you think we're going to play? And I, I now I'm to the point of saying, I hope we get a league season in and then maybe playoffs. And today, a couple of the kids are like, I don't even care if we just get league. We just want to play some games our senior year. Mm-hmm. I think that's that's one thing JJ's written about that I, I know he and uh, Tyler and I are all on board with is, um, you know, if you can go back to school for four days, that's better than zero days. If you can play two league games, it's better than zero league games. At this point, no one is expecting that the 2020-21 school year 
is going to be something you will want to frame and put up on the wall. Um, but anything that, that you can make happen, if it's uh, lower contact uh, competition, you know, whatever it is, any flexibility um, to allow these kids something that they can have as a memory of their senior year, that they can have a senior night, you know, whatever it is. Um, I'm with the, I'm with the kids. I'm with you. It's let's just make whatever we can happen happen. I agree. The ones I feel super sorry for are spring sport athletes because you look back the end of their sophomore year was the last time. I mean, to me, it looks like we're going to get closed down that at least Long Beach. That's what it looks like to me personally. That's my own. I hope not. But if we do these spring sport kids do not play high school, their junior and senior year. And that's just, I mean, that's awful. That's just awful to me. Are they mad? Pat, do you, do you see them being frustrated or are they angry? I don't, I don't think I see that. I, I, I just see maybe frustrated. They're certainly not angry. The ones that I've talked to, they, they just want a chance. They just want a chance to play, to do something like, like Mike was saying. So, I mean, as we go further and further and closer to when we could have been playing, you know, I, I anticipate changes in attitudes and behaviors. Speaking of changes, I was talking to a club coach the other day for another story we're working on. And she said she would be willing to teach her kids new rules in order to play. For example, like a kick the ball in from the out of bounds as opposed to a throw in in order to limit the touching of the ball or like a, a first pass free situation. Everybody rolls their eyes at it like I did. But she's like, at this point, I would play a brand new game with brand new rules if it would keep the kids safe while allowing them to be active. How do you feel about that? Uh, I don't necessarily disagree with kicking the ball in. I, I don't know. It becomes a free kick and essentially every yeah. time it comes out of bounds creates a lot more scoring opportunities from all over. Uh, Maybe they should do it on the MLS and more people will watch. Yeah. What do we do with the goalkeepers? No hands. You got to <laughs> use your head or chest the ball away. I, I don't know. I, I don't want to go too corny. You know, we got to do something. We got to do something. Switching yeah. gears a little bit, Coach. I mean, we, we had uh, we just posted a story yesterday. They got a ton of uh, attention online about Milliken's new uh, new field, and uh, you know, obviously the you know the whole league is is getting an opportunity to get new playing services. But you know, we used to see you guys at Cabrillo had the best pitch in the Moore League for a while, <laughs> and then now it's like, all right, we've got some turf fields. You know, Wilson and Polly, and now Milliken. Um, you know, how do you see that kind of changing Moore League soccer at all? Because it was always when you played sort of private school teams or, or schools that had those, those flat <laughs> fields, it was a whole different ball game, you know? So do you, do you see it, you know, kind of changing things or, and are you excited to have a more consistent surface to play on throughout, uh, throughout league? Uh, no doubt. I'm excited. I mean, for years it was, we'd play a game here and then we'd go to Compton, Jordan, Millick and Lakewood and it's a whole, and even Wilson and the, and the fields were completely different than what we were used to playing here. So I think the consistency of that is great. The kids, the, the six that were here this morning, they were all seniors, seven actually this morning. And they were saying, oh, all we got, now all we have to deal with is Compton's crappy field, Jordan's crappy field. <laughs> and, and I was like, well, I think Compton is maybe closing down to rebuild. So they might be playing at Compton College. Oh, coach, so we could be playing on turf again. So I think for us personally here, I mean, we like the ball on the ground and we like to play possession as much as possible I mean we'll change it up but I think that's great for us because Go, going to, I don't care I know that some schools go to Compton they just hammer them but we've never been able to do that we just we we leave this field out here to my to my right and uh whether it was the grass field or the turf field we go to these other fields and it's just 
it, it takes a while to adjust. So we've always had trouble, more troubles than I would have liked. But, you know, we've, we persevered. Do you think that the addition of the field turf across the league has Im helped improve the quality of the league? I mean, we've got four teams in Division One right now. If you told us that, I don't know, 10 years ago, we would have scoffed at it for sure. Oh, no doubt. There's no doubt. We, and Long Beach has talent. Uh, you know, there's talented kids that are not playing club that are just talented kids that are going to come to high school. So for sure, top to bottom, I think it's going to help us. And like I was saying, my youngers that are here now, I ended up taking essentially every kid that said soccer coming into school. I didn't have any tryouts. I just put them all in the class and, and we've loved what we've seen. So I see good things going forward if we ever get to play. <laughs> Did you see good things coming when you took over the job in 98-99? Uh, I mean, what were your goals, and why did you take the job at Cabrillo at that point? Uh, I, I left Whittier High School and Whittier College because I was teaching special ed at Whittier High School, and I didn't like it. I didn't enjoy it. And I, this was a PE job. And I, I honestly wasn't planning necessarily on coaching, but I got here, and, and they they'd gotten rid of They had Froshoff and JD that first year, and they – Literally the day I got here, they fired the coach. They had fired the coach. And so that Darren Parson, you guys know Parson, that used to be here. He said, hey, you're my new best friend. You're a soccer coach. You want to coach these guys? And I said, I don't know. Let me go look at them. And as soon as I saw them, they were almost all seniors. And I said, oh, yeah, these are this is a super talented team. We missed the playoffs by one crossbar shot against Lakewood that the kids, the kid who hit that shot, he's not a kid anymore, his son will be here next year. Oh, wow. 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 <laughs> I hope. I hope. He's, he's got his own little team. So I'm That's, hoping that Roberto Bermuda's son comes here along with you, his team. You've, uh, Pat, you've officially, and I apologize for this, you've officially been at Cabrillo long enough that when we interview you, we have to ask the question. So what's what's the plan? How much longer are you going to be there? You know, are you trying to set state records for win totals? Or what, um, what's, the, what's, the, what's the end game, brother? <laughs> um. First of all, as far as games and wins, and I don't know what I have. I don't know what I've done. I don't really care. Um, you got, you've got a lot with you and Rod Pekovich, the Moore League, I yeah. believe, as two of the 15 winningest uh, boys soccer coaches in state history, which is pretty impressive. Yeah, that's cool. And, and I just don't track it, though. You know, I don't, I don't really – I've said it, and it kind of sounds trite, but I, I'm not joking. I really just care about the next game, wherever that game is going to come, whatever it's going to be versus whoever it is. That's, that's what I want to – what I, what I want to prepare for. And I'd love to have a, I'd love to have a timeline of when the next game is going to be, but you know, we're all wait and see. As far as me being here, I'm going to go a minimum of six more years. And then depending on what happens and, you know, I might go longer. I might, you know, I mean, assuming that I'm, I'm around and they'll have me, I want to stay here. I was talking to Jim Nielsen. I don't know if you guys remember when Nielsen was here. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Talking to him a couple of days ago, and he said, "You ever get the what do you call it, Sunday night fever?" And I said, "What the heck is Sunday night fever?" He goes, "You know, we're Sunday night. You're worried about going to work." And I said, "Honestly, Jim, I've never once until this year. It's been a little harder, but up until this year, I never once did I on any night say, hey, I don't want to go to work tomorrow. It's a great place.'" That's that's that is worth that's worth its weight in gold. And I mean, I, you know, we're all uh, the the rest of us on this interview are fortunate to have jobs where we feel the same way. But uh, you, know, you, you do you talk to some of your friends who don't love what they do, and you realize like, oh, that's a completely different, <laughs> it's a completely totally. different perspective. You're just you are kind of miserable half of your life, guaranteed. You know? <laughs> yeah, no, it's not work if you love doing it. To me, I mean, I'm a PE teacher. I come here, I get paid generally, not now, but to to play games and to 
get kids involved in stuff and hopefully have them find some sort of lifetime sport that they can bring on for the rest of their lives to participate in and play. And it's, it's amazing. And then I get to coach soccer, (laughs) like my religion. So it's amazing. It's awesome. Yeah. Some of those seasons more enjoyable than others, obviously the season two years ago, the most enjoyable as you guys won a state championship in historic fashion that season, that playoff run, Pat, so fun to cover. Oh my goodness. It was amazing. It was fun to coach. It was, was, yeah, it it was great. It was a great group of kids. And some of those kids now are juniors. You know, we had Kike and we had Carlos and we had these guys that were freshmen on that team that they're juniors this year and some are seniors. And I just wanted, I'm hoping, I was hoping we had a chance to, to get back to playoffs and having that stuff this year. At this point, like I said, if we get any games, it'd be cool. But I think in the next two or three years, you're going to, you're going to see us. We never reload, you know, we have right. to reload. <laughs> so, we well, when, when, when you get a chance to look back at that season, is there something specific that sticks out? Like when I'm, looking back at that season now, and I know it's only been two years, but looking back at it, I think rain, right? The rain on the championship day was so, I, I don't know. It just, I can feel how it felt to try to duck underneath and get the shots with the camera, making sure the camera didn't get wet as the kids were celebrating and doing all this stuff. I mean, is there something that you just think about when you think about that season? Well, the rain's funny. Thank goodness for those water polo jackets that we got to wear during those games. So that was cool. <laughs> shout, out, <laughs> shout out to Lawrence Duran for sure. Yeah, exactly. Thanks Lawrence uh the the trip to santa barbara the we we spent three or four days whatever it was going up to santa barbara going to westmont taking these kids traveling you know we met with with coach dave wolf up there and he uh toured them the campus or had had one of his coaches give us a tour and then he sat down and talked with the kids i think that was you know that's like a life-changing trip for these guys so the, the one thing that bums me out honestly about that team is so many of those guys could have played in college and a lot of them for whatever reason they didn't and some of them some of them because they went to universities and they just wanted to focus on school and you know fair to them but a few of them didn't play and, and that that kind of you know that was kind of disappointing but they had that year so well now that, that's a great segue because that's part of my next question is you know the future of soccer I mean there's just not a lot of opportunities for male soccer players to be good in high school get looks and then have options coming out to where they can continue their academic careers while also continuing their athletic careers. If you were the czar of USA soccer right now, Pat, would you change something? Would you try to make it a little bit easier for kids to play soccer, uh, college soccer? Or do you think that the club and, you know, the kind of the developmental league stuff, speaking of Arnold Jerome, the leading scorer in Cabrillo history, who is now with the galaxy. I mean, do you think that still can work? I think he's with LAFC or LAFC, excuse me. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, a great question. I think that there's a place for high school soccer. And as far as guys going to college, it, it looks to me like most of them are heading to junior colleges from at least in our area, in my area, the kids that are going to play college soccer, they're heading to junior colleges. I wish those colleges would focus on them moving on beyond them, you know, get them the right classes as opposed to giving them classes that throw away classes, just to keep them eligible. I don't like that. Um, the developmental league to me is the best way and best way for these kids to go and to get a chance to play in college. But like you said, college soccer with 9.9 scholarships for men's soccer in division one and two makes it so difficult. If you don't have money, if you don't have resources, or if you're able to, you know, maybe if you're, you have none of those and then you're able to qualify through financial aid. I mean, there's a place for it. There's a, there's a spot for all of us. You know, I've, high school soccer has changed incredibly 
since my first year in 1985 at Estancia, where virtually the whole team played in college afterwards. You know, there was just, there wasn't that much club. So I think there's a place, I'm not sure where it is on the food chain right now, but I'm going to, you know, we kind of run it here. I, I kind of think we run it more club-like as far as how often we get to see the kids, how we're together year round than in the summer. So I try to do with, with the coaches that come in the best job I can to give them opportunities. And, and I still think we'll send some kids to college at some point, university, not just JC. You mentioned like boys soccer is very unique because it's probably the biggest bottleneck in terms of participation in the state and the country to not that much college money available. You know, like you said, with it, with only the 9.9 scholarships in college. So it, it, you get this interesting mix of, and it's one of the reasons I, I've made this comment to you and to Rod many times when we would travel with you guys for the playoffs, you get kids from Long Beach who, you know, I mean, there's, and I know you guys, you know, Rod, Rod more than you, but you as well have had some wealthier kids, but you've also got some kids who really come from hard backgrounds um, and are really coming from, um, you know, coming from a real bootstraps kind of a place. And then you guys will go travel to play some of these private high schools <laughs> and the kids, it's like, they've got personal bodyguards or something when they step off the field. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, the kids are driving nicer cars to the game than the coaches in Long Beach, you know? Um, and it, it does, it, there's something to that though. Right. Where it's like, it's kind of a pure thing for sports. Like you talk about the miracle on ice or, you know, these big dramas where you have, kids who come from this background, kids who come from this background, but you throw them on a high school soccer field and it's the same size goal for both of them and the same dimensions, right? Is there something that you, do you sort of enjoy that aspect, I guess, of, of coaching up these Long Beach kids when, when you know you're taking on, you know, kids from better circumstances? 100%. I, I love giving them the opportunity. There's nothing better than going and playing some big private school, you know, a Servite or a Loyola or something. And if not winning, giving them a game and not, you know, these guys, some of these schools are cutting club players, right? right. They got <laughs> right. 75 kids at a club and they're like, oh, sorry, you only play on gold. You're not a premier player. You where here, I have like five. So yeah, right. for sure. Getting them, getting these kids mentally prepared and then physically prepared. And then, you know, going in and giving these big sports, these big sports schools, a game and sometimes winning it's not like we've lost all those teams all the time we've certainly beaten some of them uh yeah it's amazing it's amazing you know i i i do it for the the sport and the kids that are doing it so certainly not money <laughs> <laughs> none of us are here because we're getting rich coach <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, t I, tell, I tell coaches all the time journalism is the only worse industry to get into than coaching believe me <laughs> <laughs> I love talking to Scott French. Yeah. <laughs> and you guys, you guys, especially, but yeah, hearing the stories that, that you guys have been through, it's rough. I mean, it's crazy. But what you guys do for Long Beach is amazing. Specifically what you guys do. It's, it's awesome. Well, right back long, at you coach. What have you guys been around like 13 years, 12, 13 years? How long? Yeah. 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 That's what I thought. Almost. <laughs> That's awesome. Got a long way to catch up to you though. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I, you're you're one of only like five or six coaches left in the league who's been around longer than us that's the crazy th that's the crazy thing to me it's like you marshall thompson at millikin carl bugs at poly lorraine um, lorraine at millikin yeah. but I, you know i mean we really i can count on both hands in the whole league the number oh. of people that jj and i didn't write a story about them getting hired it's kind of it's kind of we're, we're only in our mid-30s still so i don't feel like i should be the old guy but <laughs> it should not be that way <laughs> 
I look at my pictures when I got to Cabrillo and I go, where did that guy go? <laughs> where is he? I'm here and there. A lot less here and a lot more here. It's yep. Oh, well, that's life. I guess that's life. It's better than the alternative. Yes. Well, stay up, Coach. We appreciate you taking the time and being there for those kids. I, I know they appreciate it for sure. So we'll talk to you soon, and hopefully we'll be able to see you soon too. I hope so, and I hope we get games in, guys. I don't care if it's just April. If, if we just play – if we play May, I'll play May. Twelve games Amen. in May, no problem. Amen. So, we'll see you there. Thanks. <laughs> All right. Thanks, guys. I'd also like to take a moment to thank our new sponsors, Ocean Law Center. Head to OceanLawCenter.com to check out the services they provide. Thank you to Ocean Law Center for their support of local coverage. They are helping injured people and their families. I think we talked about the NFL a few weeks ago and how much we were following the Long Beach guys, but not as much following the NFL. Well, that's over for me because now it's playoff season. Now I'm dialed in. I've already re-upped my Bovada account. I'm ready to do a couple <laughs> teasers, a couple parlays. <laughs> Let's get it going, guys. I need your I need your advice because some of these lines are a little bit confusing. Well, hold, hold on, game... hold on. I have to ask you first and foremost uh, before we get into the lines. As a, a lifelong Chargers fan. Uh, who has had mixed feelings about Philip Rivers? Are, are you rooting for the Colts, or how are you feeling about this? Well, that's literally the first game on Saturday, so nice, nice one, Mike. It's it's almost as if you looked at the schedule. The Colts are visiting the Bills. The Bills are laying six and a half points, so Bills decently sized favorites because of their 13 and three season. Shout out to uh, Bills Mafia. I'm so sorry you guys didn't get to watch that season because it. It looked like it was a lot of fun for the Bills. But, yeah, as a Chargers fan, watching Phil – Literally, they should give a 1,000 doses of the vaccine. They should have set up <laughs> two months ago. They should have been ready to give a 1,000 doses of the vaccine to Bills fans and Browns fans who deserve – who really deserve to be able to see. <laughs> this, is, this, is, this is so true. This is so true. Uh, so, yeah, as a Chargers fan, watch Phil Rivers. Uh, nothing but love. For Phil Daddy, uh, you know, it was never his job to kick field goals in the playoffs. So when I look back on those heartbreaking Chargers playoff games, I never blame Phil Rivers. It's just not a thing that runs through my head. Um, Philip, Philip, dad gang, <laughs> Philip, Philip, no, Philip, Philip, dad gummit Rivers. Yeah, exactly. Um, he wasn't on the sidelines with a blown up knee in, uh, in New England for that AFC championship game. He was, in fact, on the field playing. So I never have any ill will towards him. Uh, so I root nothing but the best for Phil Rivers. That being said, I think this Bills team is special, guys, and I would actually lay the six and a half. And maybe if I put it into a tease, get a couple of those points back so they can win by a touchdown. But uh, but yeah, I like the Bills. I actually like the Bills a lot in these playoffs. How about you? What was the line again? Six and a half. Uh, I'll take the Colts. Yeah. How about you, Tyler? I'm, I'll, I'll roll with the Bills. I think they have a lot more purpose of being there. I think there's a, there, like you said, there's kind of an energy behind that team and uh, and a certain momentum. They, I mean, they, they're just all around so much better. Um, they're gonna win, but Philip Rivers is gonna be up by three points with four minutes left in the game before he loses. Know, it's just man. my personal feeling. <laughs> No, no, he, no he's going to be, he's going to be three. down by 17 <laughs> points and then they're going to come back and score yeah. two touchdowns. That's, yeah. that's why I got to tease it, man. That's why, that's why you got to tease it. You got to tease it out of the Phil Rivers zone. All right. Local fans going to like this one. Rams at Seattle. We just watched this game, Seattle getting or laying three and a half. So the Rams getting a field goal, basically at Seattle, I do not like their chances, mostly because it looks like the entire NFL has figured out 
if you make Jared Goff go through his progressions, he'll get lost more often than not. And the passing offense for the Rams has looked a little bit lost this year. So I'd go with the Seahawks in that one. What about you guys? I, I, I mean, I, I think the Seahawks are favorites for a reason, but I do, I do think that they also tend to just play very close games. That's kind of their, that's kind of their MO for whatever reason. And I feel like it will be a mostly a defensive game. Um, so I'm, I'm tempted to take the Rams with the points. I don't expect the Rams to win, but I do think that it might just be one of those field goal games. So I'd be, I'd be cautious. Um, I'd be cautious laying the points there, but, um, but yeah, I mean, Goff has not been the answer and you're going to go with the better quarterback there. And that is clearly head and shoulders. Russell Wilson. That looks like another tease for me. I I think I'm going to tease that. Give the, give the Rams a couple more points in that one. What about you, Mike? I actually, I actually like the Rams to get by the Seahawks and maybe make a little bit of a a run in the playoffs. Really? That's my catching his bets there. Well, no, I, I think the Seahawks, the Seahawks offensively have just been really flat. I mean, they were, you know, great offensive team early on. And I think, it kind of caught everyone off guard that they're letting Russ actually pass the ball. And um, I, I just think they're, you know, they were a defensive team for so long. They were an offensive team at the start of this year, and they've just been really uneven offensively the last three or four weeks. Um, and I think Russ has actually been, I think, bottom third of quarterbacks in like basically all efficiency ratings for the last couple of weeks. So uh, I am going to go with the Rams. That, that would be my upset pick, uh, road pick for the, for the opening weekend. Of the I hope you're right. I, I hope you're, I hope you're right too. Cause I'm taking the Rams with, uh, I don't like either of these teams. So whatever. Yeah. I, I feel like a, a very defensive game there. I feel like a very defensive game in Washington as well, where that football team is hosting the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers laying eight points. So Washington getting eight points at home. I feel like I walked myself into this, but I feel like I'm going to tease that too. get Washington into double digits, take the points there. That's the last game. And if I do remember correctly, for the last few years, the last wildcard game of each day is a little bit closer than the one before it. It just keeps getting better and better and better. So I'll take I'll take Washington in the points. I'm teasing the dogs, guys. I'm teasing the dogs. You're telling you're telling me Buccaneers are coming to Washington. What are they playing the game in the Capitol building? (laughs) (laughs) Had to get one in. Had to get one in. You should have said a former Patriot is coming to Washington. A former Patriot is coming. All right. Well, you had extra time. I let you build on it. I let you build on it. Uh, I'm I'm always gonna (laughs) go with the feel good quarterback story of Alex Smith over Tom Brady. So, um, WTF, WFT, make it happen. Get the W. I, th- I think the Bucks are, uh, I, I don't know. I just think at the end of the day, I love Alex Smith. Uh, I know the stat, I love the stat that the, the worst team to get into the playoffs, like all, right, I think the last three sub 500 teams in a row to get into the playoffs have won their first game. Uh, but I just think the Bucks are, there's too much experience. Uh, I just don't see Tom Brady losing to a, not to be that media guy. I just don't see Tom Brady losing to a seven and nine team in the first round of the playoffs. Okay. So we go to Sunday, we go to a really good AFC game, the Ravens at the Titans. And it is the Ravens laying three and a half points. Ravens road favorites at Tennessee. What do you guys think? Two 11 and five teams. I think Ryan Tannehill, is a better quarterback than Russell Wilson statistically this year. 
<laughs> and has actually for the last two years has been great. I think the Titans are underrated. I think, but I think this is going to be one of those games that we would not have struggled to find a freelancer to cover when we were at the press telegram. They're both going to run the ball. It's going to be over by, it's going to be over in about two and a half hours. Uh, but I'm going to go with the Titans at home. The old Norwalk Artesia. Yeah, I'm, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah baby. That's something to Excelsior. Let's get it. Uh, um, I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with, with Mike here. I think, the, I think the Titans are, are, are good and underrated. I think Tannehill's underrated for the numbers that he's been putting up the past couple of years. Um, it's, I'm, I just, I'm such a bummer because, you know, it could be a couple poly guys going head to head with Iman Biggie Marshall, who was hurt prior to the year with the Ravens and put on IR and then Jayon Brown, who was setting up possibly a pro bowl season um, when he suffered that injury. So just want to shout out our guys, um, you know, wishing that we could see them out on the field, but yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with Tennessee, especially being at home. I will take Tennessee because always, always take the home dog in the playoffs. Now that means that they would have fans usually. So I guess I can't say always this season, but I'm going to stick with it and take the home dog. Uh, I will not be taking the underdog in the next game. The Saints at home hosting the Bears. Saints laying 10 points. I think that is actually a bit low. I see this as a uh, a blowout in the bayou. What about you guys? Agreed. I totally co-sign. Yeah. Okay. What about you, Todd? Yeah. I mean, I got some friends that are Bears fans, but they're going to get their blow- doors blown off. Although, I mean, you're they're going to need some Cordero Patterson special teams touchdowns if they want to stay in this game. Let me try and jinx the Saints as much as I can. The Bears are worm food. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Finally, <laughs> finally on Sunday, uh, Pittsburgh hosting the Cleveland mother bleeping Browns in a playoff game. Pretty cool. Pittsburgh. Well, will they? Pittsburgh laying six points. Yeah, I guess, I guess that's, that's true. Will they? In the world of COVID, we are recording this again, timestamping it on Wednesday afternoon. So we don't know what's going to happen. But right now, the Steelers are six points favorites. I, I think that they'll play the game. I just first wanted to, to give a shout out. Uh, we've obviously spent quite a lot of time talking about the coronavirus. But uh, unfortunately, the news is public because he's an NFL player. Our guy, Joel Batonio, Wilson alum, uh, just wrote a story about making history with his third straight Pro Bowl appearance. The first Cleveland Brown to do that since 1963 and the first Wilson Bruin ever to get three Pro Bowl recognitions. Uh, he is still on that COVID list and hoping to test negative so he can get off. Uh, we've been able to talk to Joel a little bit. He's doing okay. Uh, just quarantining and uh, very frustrated that his status for a football game, he has worked a long time to help bring the Browns into. He is the longest tenured member of that team. Um, and uh, I know he's real frustrated, wanted to be as safe as possible, but real frustrated at uh, potentially not getting to play in that game. That being said, uh, I'm going to take the Steelers. <laughs> yeah, Browns are beat up, and it's not just because he's our guy, Joel Batonio, a huge reason why that Browns team has been successful yeah, on he's offense. The, right. So they're going to struggle without him. Probably the best player, yes. Yep, 100%. Yeah, it would, it would be heartbreaking um, if Bubba's not able to play in that game. So obviously, you know, best wishes to him, and, and fingers crossed that he'll be out on that field. But, you know, I, I agree with Mike. I think the Steelers obviously have had a bit of an up-and-down year, but – you know, having that, being able to take a little bit of time off last week and sort of relax. I think for Cleveland, kind of getting to the playoffs was a little bit of a milestone, whereas the Steelers are obviously looking uh, beyond that. And so I think there, there can be some letdown there. So I, I would I would pick the Steelers, especially because of all the, the turmoil that unfortunately the Browns are having to deal with this week. Turmoil and sports walking hand in hand through 2020. Hopefully, 
2021 won't won't be as much and we will let you know what's going on with the cif the state office local school district and everything as we try to get sports back in action this year oh, can i real quick before we exit can i just ask who for super bowl picks from you guys who's going and who's going you want to do that now yeah, hit me okay uh, yeah go, go no you go ahead first you were you were excited for it so i'm gonna so are they playing this weekend and that's my question is your team are your team no i'm going chiefs packers and i'm going the packers are gonna upset the chiefs in a uh, super bowl okay. one rematch that gives mercedes lewis a, a super bowl championship that's my pick I, I like that pick a lot because i also picked the packers uh packers were my preseason pick actually uh, I would like it because it would give me a lot to write about. So <laughs> and it's a lot to write about, for mm-hmm. sure, for sure. Um, I yeah, I have no idea what's going to happen in the AFC because I actually don't think the Chiefs are going to make it. Um, it's just one of those things when you have to play outside and it's not going to be home field advantage like it was for them last year. It's just it's a little bit different, and if you do a little bit different to a high powered offense like that in the past, it has not worked been- out. Very well. They, they've not had their foot on the pedal for quite a bit this season as well. And the, the NFL, that, that bites you more than any other sport. You know, we saw that with the Dodgers. We've seen it with the Lakers probably 20 times. Uh, <laughs> that you can, you know, you get seven games, you get a little chance. Football, you find yourself down 10-0 all of a sudden. It's a completely different sport. So I, 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 would, I think the Packers are more likely to make it than the Chiefs. I'd agree with you. Right now, I would bet the Titans and the Steelers on the money line if they were playing at Kansas City wow. this week. That's impressive. It's also just hard to get back after you win the Super Bowl. You know, it's just it's just really hard to to do that. Um, yeah, I think I'm gonna go with the most return to normalcy outcome possible, and I think it's the Packers winning the Super Bowl and the Bills being the Super Bowl runner up is kind of the most like, the world is back I like that outcome that I can really think of. <laughs> so I'm gonna go with that. I like that a lot. I would, that would be a fun a fun way to spend the next month. I I like that a lot. And, and honestly, even the thought of a fun way to spend the next month is better. <laughs> it's the best thing I can than I can conjure right now. So that's what we're gonna go with. I'm gonna ride that prediction till the wheels fall off. And then you know, I think Bills fans will be stoked to make it. They'd be obviously having some horrendous flashbacks, but um, you know, that's what 2022 is for, right, baby? <laughs> Good stuff, boys. It's on the record now, so we all know who we're picking. We'll do it next week again and see if anybody uh, anybody got up all right i i I doubt that's going to happen but it's possible it's definitely possible all right we got to get out of here get back to work putting up the stories that's updating you on everything long beach for the schools their sports teams and our community at large thank you to everybody at the 562.org and long beach post for helping get up those stories videos podcasts and everything join the interaction guys it's why we do these podcasts we want to talk to you as well so get at us on social media and let us know what you think For Mike and for Tyler and for JJ and for everybody else we just mentioned, thank you, Long Beach. Stay safe out there. We're almost out of this, I swear. We'll see you soon.